Welcome to the Siski Christian Fellowship Podcast. Our prayer is that the following verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word would bring you closer to Jesus. So there's a story about uh, a family. They were, they were on vacation. And as they were walking through this picturesque village, they came across a couple old men sitting on a bench. And the couple teenage boys, they thought they'd be smart alecks, you know, and, and they looked at the old guys sitting there and they said, have there been any great men born in your village? And the old man kind of looked at them and thought for a minute and said, no, no great men, only babies. You know, he, he answered back to them with this sarcasm they came at him with, right? No great men, just babies. And, and that's it. We are born babies. Boom, mind's blown. You're welcome. There you go. This huge revelation that I've given you this morning. But it's important for us to understand that, right? We, 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 we grab a hold of that reality physically, but do we understand that that is a principle spiritually? That just like we have a beginning physically, we have this beginning spiritually. That there's a time in our lives where we, we have a starting point spiritually, where we hear the good news of the gospel, where we hear about Jesus and what he's done for us, and we put our hope and our trust and our faith in him, and we're born again spiritually. And, you know, this is a conversation that Jesus had uh, with Nicodemus. Boy, that you must be born again. Whether you're six years old or 60 years old, there's that time where you're born again and you're a new creature in Christ. You're a babe. How does that work? Uh, again, there's a man named Nicodemus, and he was, he was the opposition. He was against Jesus. He was a Pharisee. But there was something about Jesus that this Nicodemus could not deny. And so he sought Jesus in the middle of the night for fear of being in trouble with with his own peers. He went to Jesus and Jesus, man, you clearly are a good rabbi. You're a good teacher. You've been sent by God. There's something about the way that you teach. There's something about the way that, that you do miracles. We know you're of God. And Jesus looked at him and said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And there's this point in our Christian lives. That's what happens. We're we're born again. And from that moment on, the process starts. We have to grow and we have to mature in the Lord. And that's really what we're going to talk about this morning is the importance of spiritual maturity. The importance of growing in the Lord. The importance of not being stunted in that growth. And what does that look like? How do we mature in the Lord? And when we've maybe backslidden, how do we come back from that? And so Paul addresses this in the first couple verses of Corinthians chapter 3. And so that's where we're going to be. Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? And so Paul here He's writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And as we know from our previous studies, the city of Corinth 
Man, it was known as a city of vice. It was known as a city of excess. They were given over to materialism and sexual immorality and selfishness. They were all about the things and the cares of this world. How could they experience the most pleasure in their carnal nature? But then, then Paul came along on a second missionary journey, and he shared Jesus with these Corinthians who were total worldly people, and they heard the message, and many of them got saved. They were born again. They were new creatures in Christ. They were just little babies, and and Paul established them, and he planted a church, but then it was time for him to move on. And so now, after it's been a while, Paul, he he hears word that there is, is trouble. He hears that the word on the street is that there is division in Corinth. Remember when we opened up the book of Corinthians? And we were talking about this, how, how Paul was in Ephesus, but that there was those from Chloe's household that were traveling to and fro from Ephesus to Corinth. And they said, Paul, things are not good in Corinth. There is division, and not just division, but contention. Right? We, we, we address this, that we think of division in the church like, oh, there's those over here who have a different idea of baptism. There's the sprinklers and the dunkers. Uh, or there's these people over here, they're divided about, you know, uh, eschatology. The pre-tribbers and the mid-tribbers and the post-tribbers. And that's not what Paul is talking about when he said that they were divided. Remember that word divided means to rend or to tear. They were tearing each other apart. There were such contentions. And at the heart of that problem, at the heart of their division, was spiritual immaturity. See, they were born-again Christians but they were still just little babies, behaving like little babies. They never really matured. And so Paul addresses them and said, Brothers, man, I wish I could lay on you these amazing spiritual truths, but you're not ready for them. You're just little babies. You're, you're carnal. Now, what does it mean when Paul calls the Corinthian church carnal? Well, carnal simply means flesh. It means fleshly. When I was a kid, I used to love to go to my mamo's house and eat a big bowl of Denison's chili con carne with a side of saltine crackers and a big fat jug of chocolate milk. That was like my thing. I loved it. I didn't know really what chili con carne meant. I just knew that I liked to say it. Chili con carne. Mamo, I'll have some chili con carne, please. I knew that it was good. But con carne means with meat. That, that's all it is. Like for you guys who speak Spanish, you're like, you idiot. Right? That, that's true. <laughs> It means with meat, with flesh, and that's what carnal means. So when Paul is calling the church at Corinth carnal, he's saying, you guys are fleshly. You guys are, are you know, governed by your fleshly appetites. You guys are governed by the old man. You should be governed by the Spirit of God at this point in your life. You should be walking according to his statutes and, and his desires. And so they were being led by the old spirit and not by the Spirit of God. They are being led by their old nature, rather, and not by the Spirit of God. But we have this wrestling that takes place in our lives, don't we? There's a a duality to our nature where we're born again and our spirit is alive, but we're still trapped in this body of meat. We're still in this body of carnality, of flesh that desires fleshly things. 1 Peter 2, Peter describes this. He says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against your soul. There's this war that's going on. Wouldn't it be nice if when we got saved, gave our hearts to the Lord, that that war ended, that that, that we were just God's men and women and that temptation was gone? It's not so. There is this war, this 
this wrestling that's taking place, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But the, the Corinthian church there, they were led by the flesh and not by the Spirit. And there are those that would look at that church and say, well, were they actually really saved then? Is Paul actually addressing them as Christians? Can you be carnal and Christian at the same time? And that's an interesting question if you think about it, but we don't have to wonder. Paul clears it up for us. In the first verse of chapter 3, he says, brethren, brethren, that's a key word. That means that they're brothers and sisters in Christ. He wasn't writing to his actual brothers, right? We know that. We're all clear. He was writing to his spiritual brothers and sisters. They were saved. In the, the second verse of the first chapter, he, he says that you guys are saints uh, in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He, he, he mentions Jesus to the Corinthian church as both their Savior and their Lord. And, and maybe you guys have heard people say that. We say it all the time. I'm, I'm so grateful that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. But those two roles are two very different roles, right? We are so glad often in, you know, uh, our fallen state. We say, oh, I just need a Savior. I'm so glad to be saved, Lord. I'm so glad that Jesus is my Savior. Lordship is a different thing. Lordship is the surrendering of our will. That takes an active response on our part to say, Lord, I'm letting go and my life is yours. You bought my life at the price, now I want your will to be done. Lord and Savior. See, there are those who would say that Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord of all. That is, there's this doctrine that is taught whereby if you claim to be a Christian and your life is not cleaned up, if you claim to be a Christian and you're still wrestling with sin, well, maybe you're not really a Christian at all. And to that, I say, no way. The, the, who could possibly be a Christian at all then? If the requirement for being Christian was that your life had to be spick and span, then Jesus wouldn't need to come and die on the cross for us. See, and that's just the reality. And so, so were these uh, individuals saved? Absolutely. Why? Because we're saved by grace. If we had to be perfect, even Paul would have been disqualified. Paul told Timothy, man, I am the chiefest of sinners. In Romans 7, Paul says, man, the things I want to do, I end up not doing the things I don't want to do. Those are the things I end up doing. There's this wrestling that takes place. There is no such thing as a Christian that doesn't sin. I'm sorry. There's none righteous, no, not one, only Jesus. And I'm so glad that we were saved by grace through faith, man, that it's not of works. We can't boast about it, but that the Lord, he has rescued us. Now, does that mean that, that we are to live our lives like total heathen? And of course not. If you want your life to be miserable, have at it. The Lord will still see you through, but life is going to stink. Now, we are to pursue the Lord. Man, he says, I'm holy, so you be holy. We just recognize our need for the Lord as we strive for holiness. We recognize that we're not going to be perfect. We recognize that we need the Lord so desperately. It's not in our own strength. It's not in our own striving. So the carnal individuals that Paul is speaking to, they're the church of Corinth. They're, they're saved, but they're just stunted in their growth. They became Christians, and that was it. They never grew in the Lord at all. So now they're like little babies. Paul desires to lay these spiritual truths on them, to share these wonderful things. But it would be like trying to teach an infant how to drive a stick shift. Could you imagine? It's just, it is not going to happen. It's an impossibility. And it's the same thing 
uh, for Paul. He says, man, you guys should be all grown up. In Hebrews, he talks to the Hebrews, the Jews there, and says, man, you guys should be teachers of the word, and still, you guys have to be bottle-fed like little babies. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with babies. I love babies. Babies are great. I love to watch them grow and kind of learn to walk and drool on themselves and get their dinner all over the place. And, man, it's fantastic. I have a couple little babies in my life, my grandsons. Ira is at the perfect wrestle age where he sees me. And it's just like, ding, ding. Like, you know, he's coming at me. And then little baby Jojo, he's not quite one yet, but he is getting to the age to where he's almost ready to walk. You know that age where when they're distracted, they'll be standing and then they'll figure out they're not holding on to anything and they'll sit down like they haven't realized they can do it yet? It's great. I love watching them grow. Now, it would be a completely different situation if I walked into my house and there in the living room in a playpen was my 18-year-old daughter in a diaper drooling on herself uh, with a baba, da-da, da-da. I'd be like, oh man, there is something drastically wrong here. Right? And that's what Paul is getting at. He's like, man, there is something drastically wrong here, you guys. You are, are just little babies and you should be grown men. You should be eating meat, but you're still on the milk. Again, what a beautiful picture, an illustration that Paul uses. Uh, there's nothing just quite as beautiful as uh, a baby and mom nursing. A mom nursing her baby. He's like, oh, that's just the cutest thing. It's neat and special. Now, uh, imagine a mother nursing her 30-year-old child. You say, oh, that is gross. That is weird. Did you really say that in church? I did, right? Because that is the weirdness that Paul is talking about. It's the same thing. He's like, you guys need to grow up. Come on. Get with the program. What, what are you guys doing here? You're stuck at square one. See, they're, they're with, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's great. That's just the beginning, though. Right? We're to move on from that. There's so much more. And there's something that is off when someone who has been walking with the Lord for 5, 10, 20 years cannot go to his word and, and read through it and seek the Lord and hear from him and get direction. Paul saying, man, there's something wrong. It's not the way it should be, you guys. Now, I am not talking about the new convert. I'm not talking about the person who is a babe who should be a babe. Babies are amazing. It's great when they drool and fall and wiggle and all fuss and all the rest when they're supposed to, right? And it's so great when there's a newborn believer and they're so curious and they're figuring out their walk with the Lord. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the, the weird 40-year-old guy who hasn't moved out of his mom's basement yet spiritually. And so what was the problem with the church at Corinth? Right? Why were they stunted? Why were they stuck in this rut of carnality? Well, they were living for the world. They were mixing the word and the world together. They had one foot in the world and one foot in church. Man, they were all hallelujah and amens on Sunday, but then Monday through Saturday, they were living just like everybody else and enjoying the, the lusts of their carnal nature. They never reckoned the old man dead. And so here they are just doing the splits between two personalities, living a, a, a dual life. And man, I got to tell you, there is nothing more miserable than a carnal Christian. They just don't fit in anywhere. They have too much of Jesus to be happy in the world. And they have too much of the world to really be happy at church. It's a terrible thing. You know, when you're trying to do the splits like that. And, you know, Hebrews chapter 12, you know, the writer of Hebrews, he warns us and says, hey, 
He says in chapter uh, 12, verse 1 of Hebrews, he says, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. Right? We know we're all different. There's things that trip us up that are no temptation at all, and then there's things that are tempting and they trip us up. Paul says those things that easily beset you, those temptations, lay them aside. Get them out of your life. Don't let them trip you up. See, we go through this life, it's a race. We're to have purpose, we're to be following Jesus, we're to be seeking after the Lord. But along the way, man, there's these sins that easily beset us that really weigh us down, lay aside every weight. We pick up these things and we run with them. And here's the thing, the Lord's still gonna see you through, but this life gets very difficult and the journey becomes a drudgery. It's like running a foot race in army boots or in snowboarding boots. Have you ever tried to run in snowboard boots? doesn't work very good. Motocross boots, same sort of situation. Why would you do that? Just run the race the way that the Lord intended, being free from those things that, that trip you up. And this whole thing of trying to live in two worlds at the same time, it's nothing new. You remember back in 1 Kings chapter 18, the nation of Israel in the prophet Elijah's day, and they were running hard after carnal things. They were worshiping the false god of Baal. And, you know, they were pursuing sensuality and prosperity. And it, they were just totally being fakers. And Elijah, he had had enough. He said, all right, that's it. Family meeting. We're all meeting at Mount Carmel. Gather around. And he said to God's people, he said, how long are you going to limp between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then serve him. And if Baal is God, then serve him. What is this splits that you're doing? Why are you playing games with the Lord? Like, you know that the Lord is Lord. Quit playing games in the world and walk in all that the Lord has for you. And it's so easy to get caught in that cycle. It's so easy to get caught up in that. And so why were they carnal? Where did they go wrong? They were, first of all, mixing the word with the world. They were trying to live in two different places at the same time. Secondly, they were so full of the world that they had no room for the Lord. They were so full of carnal things that they had no appetite for spiritual things. Uh, many years ago now, when I worked for a lumber company and I was in sales, I used to have to travel to Sacramento uh, at least once a month, sometimes a couple times a month. And, man, I hate the city. I know Sacramento's not really a city, but, I mean, anything south of Mount Shasta, for me, you guys can just keep it down there. Well, I'll just stay right here where I'm at. Uh, but I would, I would have to go down there for these meetings, so they wouldn't wanted me to stay, and I would say, you know what, I'm just coming home. I don't want to be here. And so dinner was always kind of a question mark in the house whenever I was at a meeting. And so I remember getting cut loose from a meeting early, and I'm I'm jamming home, and I get to Reading, and I'm just starving. And so I dip into the AMPM there at Reading, and I just load up, man, those hostess pies. Delicious, like they've got the chocolate and the apple. The berry ones are the best. I got an armful of pies, and then I made some of those, you know, frozen Reese's burritos, the green chili, the ones that you put in the microwave, and you don't open the package. You just wait for the bag to, like, pop and then melt halfway, in the, and you slide it out. Good going down, but after you eat it, it's just, ah. But I was all full on junk food. I washed it down with a, a Red Bull and, and headed home. And then I walked through the door, right? And there, oh, man. My wife, she's a little Irish lass, but she makes a mean lasagna. And there is this beautiful lasagna. But I'm so full of garbage that I don't even have an appetite for the goodness that my wife has prepared me. 
So I did what any good husband does, and I sat down and I ate very painfully a big plate of lasagna. But that's what we do so often in our spiritual lives. We get so full of junk that we really have no appetite for the things of the Lord. And that's a big problem because you've heard the old adage, you are what you eat. And that's true. And we live in a world, man, of easy entertainment. Man, we've got movies and social media and shorts and music and all the news you can take in. And we consume all of this stuff into our soul. And then we wonder why we don't have an appetite to, you know, dig into God's word or go to Bible study or go to prayer group. It's because we're already full of a bunch of junk. And that war that's raging between our spirit and our flesh that I, I talked about earlier, right? There's our carnal man, there's our carnal nature, then there's our spiritual man, our spiritual nature. When we feed our carnal man, or we, when we feed our spiritual man, like whoever's stronger is really going to win that battle. Who is the one who has been trained and fed in your life, and who is the one who is emaciated and weak in your life? Is your spirit man strong or weak? Who have you been feeding? You know, and we spend all this time feeding our carnal nature, and then we wonder again why, oh man, this, this battle that's raging between my spirit and my flesh, why does my flesh always win? Well, it's because we've got Andre the Giant in one corner as our carnal nature and Pee Wee Herman in the other. And I'm sorry for you youngsters, Andre the Giant was a big wrestler back in the 80s, and Pee Wee Herman was a geek. I'm, I, I didn't know if you guys knew that reference, so just want to clarify. As I get older, I recognize those things that were... Anyways, that's what it's like, right? You want your spirit man to be Andre the Giant and your carnal man to be Pee Wee Herman. And uh, it, it really is what it is. And so we say, all right, so spiritual maturity, like big deal. We're, we're supposed to grow up. But why can't we just stay babies? Like who cares if we're banging pots and pans together and drooling on ourselves? And I've seen some really happy babies who are just content banging pots and pans together. Well, here's the thing. Spiritual immaturity really brings about disunity. Spiritual immaturity is, is the place where strife and envy and division is manifest. When you walk that out, spiritual immaturity is the root of all of our problems uh, you know, in our spiritual lives personally and in the church corporately. We begin to envy. We begin to want what other people have. That leads to strife, and strife leads to division, and there's bickering and arguing, and all the while that we're bickering and arguing, we're not living out or walking out the purpose and the plans that God has for us. God has saved us to that we might be a light, that we might be shining and showing people. and pointing. When we're arguing and divided, man, we can't be effective for the kingdom of God. And that is a mark of immaturity, is arguing. Anybody with kids knows that kids just bicker about everything. And that's my toy. That's her toy. That was my turn. It was his turn. He took cuts. That's not fair. There's his large. Your mind is short. Whatever. They bicker about it. And then when we're arguing as adults, you say, oh, man, you're being childish. That's it. See, that is what being childish, it short circus us. And we're in this place where we're divided and ineffective and it's a difficult situation. And we're supposed to desire spiritual maturity. Right? We're, we're supposed to desire to grow in the Lord. 
There's all sorts of scriptures that talk about this thing of sanctification. Where the Lord is growing us and shaping us and molding us and pruning us. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we're being made into the image of Jesus. That's what Christian means. It means little Christ. We're to, to imitate him. We're to be made like him. Isaiah 64 uh, speaks of the potter and the clay, that we are the clay and that God is molding us into who he wants us to be for all of eternity. In John 15, it talks about uh, the branches being pruned, that those branches that bear fruit, that, that God, he prunes those that they might bear more fruit. Ephesians 2.10 speaks of us as God's masterpiece, that he's working on us and he's building something great out of us. Jesus did not save you to leave you where he found you. I tell you guys that all the time. And really, I'm reminding myself of that very thing. That he did not save us to leave us where he found us. He has a purpose and a plan for us. And the message of the cross is more than salvation. It's also sanctification. Right? Salvation is just the first step. We're saved. And then the sanctification process begins. Right? You guys remember what sanctification means? It means set apart. That we've been set apart in the past. We're done. We have been set apart. It's a done deal. We are robed in the righteousness of Christ. We are positionally sanctified. We are presently being sanctified. We're being set apart. We're being molded. We're being changed. And then someday we will be sanctified. We will be presented. We will be set apart for Jesus and in his presence forever. But it's all just this work in in progress. And God is doing the work in our lives. That's what he does. He is shaping, he's pruning, and, and, and he's molding. But there's a role that we play also. And sometimes we can make the mistake of Christians say, oh, the Lord's just doing that sanctification process. Like we're bystanders watching it. We're to play a role in our own sanctification. We are to be participating. We are to have an attitude of action to the revelation that God has given us. We're to be about the Lord's business. Now, this is not to earn our salvation or to be saved. That's not what I'm talking about. You can't confuse those two things. But once we are saved, there should be this desire to grow. And if we want to grow, right, we have to train. Right? If I said, all right, you guys, whew, it's January and i got this New Year's resolution. I'm going to be pastor buff pants. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get yoked. All my shirts aren't going to fit anymore. I'm going to single-handedly just move things. I'm just going to get buff. And then you came over to my house and, and I was just eating nothing but like top ramen and, and ice cream. And I was just discouraged that I wasn't seeing any results. Like, um, Pastor Jeremy, I think I know what the problem is. Right? I, I think you're not going to get physically fit unless you train. There's an element to that spiritually. If we want to grow and mature spiritually, boy, we can't expect to do so just sitting on the sidelines, sitting on the, the spiritual couch, eating nothing but bonbons and potato chips and watching TV all day. Right? We have to, there's this part of our life where, where the Lord calls us to be devoted and, and committed. That we are to, to seek him uh, fervently. And so how is it that we do that? How do we mature? How do we train? How do we, how do we grow in the Lord? Right? Of course, there's the Lord's part. We talked about that. That's a, a very important part. And I'm not, I'm not diminishing that. Because we can't grow in the Lord unless the Lord grows us. we got to understand that. 
So there's the Lord's part, but then there is our part to seek and obey and, and to watch what we eat and make sure that we have a steady diet of nutrition. You know what? The Bible talks about the Bible itself as being food. Uh, you know, there in um, 1 Peter, it talks about God's word as being milk. Now, Paul is down on the Corinthian church because that's all they're drinking, but there's nothing wrong with just milk, right? I'm an adult. I love milk. I drink milk with every meal. It's cookies, and that's probably my problem. Why well, I'm not getting Pastor Buff Bob over here. But anyways, First uh, Peter talks about the word as being milk. Uh, Matthew talks about the word being bread there in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, in Hebrews, it likens the word to meat. In uh, Psalms, it talks about the word being honey. Like, all these nutritious things that we're to be taking in and, and being... Uh, Taking in good nutrition really is the idea. And here's the good news is that when we say, all right, Lord, I'm going to take in good nutrition. I'm going to be diligent about what I put into my soul and my spirit. You know that wrestling that takes place between our soul and our carnal nature? Man, when we are full of the good stuff, our appetite for the junk diminishes, right? Just like the opposite was true. When you are full of of the Lord, man, when you've been in the Word and you've been at Bible study and you've been listening to worship music and you've been hanging out with your Christian friends, man, there's something about that secular music that just doesn't hit the same. There's something about that movie that doesn't honor God that is just not as appealing as it was before. There's something about binging on news for six hours and trying to put the pieces together that, that just doesn't satisfy like it did. When we're full of the Lord, man, uh, the temptation is, is just less, and that's just the truth. And so how do we mature, man? The Lord does a work. We do a work in making sure that we're being diligent. But also, we corporately do a work as a church family, right? There's the family aspect to the spiritual growth and maturity of the believer because we're not just born as individuals. We are born as Christians into the family of God. Gary taught on Wednesday night, and he touched on that subject. That's what his teaching was about. This beautiful thing of the family of God. It was great, and it's so true. You think about a physical family, that a baby is born into a real family. All the members of that family, they take turns at one point or another making sure that that little kiddo is, is growing, and that they're safe, and that they're learning to walk and talk, and all the rest. The same is true for the spiritual church. We are to help each other out to grow in the Lord. Check this out in Ephesians 4. This is what Paul says. And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the uh, stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from who the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying uh, of itself in love. What is Paul saying? He's saying, man, the body is the body for a reason. God has given us all different giftings and talents 
And we are to use those giftings and talents to grow each other up that we might be mature in the Lord, that we wouldn't be blown around by every wind of doctrine, but that there would be a maturity that we have. We are to help each other out in the spiritual family, just like we raise up a baby in the physical family. But so often in the church, man, somebody gets saved and they're like, yes, they got saved and they're born again. And then we stand by and watch them put keys in the electrical outlet and eat the house plants. And we're just like, hey, we're to come around those newborn believers and we're to edify them and build them up and lovingly bring correction. Well, they won't like that. Well, you know what? The baby doesn't like it when you take the keys away, but it's a good thing, right? We're to be there for each other in that capacity. Because the truth of the matter is, we're either growing or we're sliding back. See, and that's the thing with the spiritual maturity that sometimes we forget, is we think that, oh, you know what, I'm just going to kick this Christian walk into neutral for a while. I'm just going to hang out here. You know, I'm just, there is no such thing as neutral in the Christian walk. You're either growing or you're shrinking back. And so our desire as believers should be Man, we, we want to be growing. We want to be maturing. We want all that the Lord has for us. But what do we do when we've slid? Now, maybe you're here this morning, you're like, man, this whole idea of having one foot in the world and one foot in the church, man, that's nailing me to the wall. I'm, I'm in that place. And, and I'm not happy about it, but I don't know what to do. Man, maybe in this place you were walking with the Lord so fervently at one point and now you've just kind of lost your way and you've, you've slidden back. Like, what do you do? Man, the Bible is full of answers and we have stories that point us in the right direction. The story of the prodigal son is so beautiful, right? We all are familiar with it. This young man who goes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance early breaks his father's heart, takes all of the wealth that he has and goes to the city and blows all of this money on loose living. So much to the, the point to where everybody has abandoned him and he's there in the pig pen surrounded by pigs and slop. But he comes to his senses. He says, man, I need to go to my father. I need to go back. And that's what we need to do. Here this morning, if the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart and saying, man, that's you. You're in two different worlds. You're back so you need to come home. That is the revelation. And what do you do, man? You go back to the Father. That's what he did. The prodigal son went back to the Father. And here's the thing. We get this idea in our head that when we come back to the Lord, that he's going to be there, arms crossed, brow furrowed, fingers shaken, like, you expect to come back to me after all you've done? But that's not the way the Lord is. How does the story go? There's the father, arms open, not just arms open, he's booking it down the driveway to go see his son. There's a rejoicing, there's a joy there. There's not condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The debt has been paid. All you have to do is turn to the Lord and he's right there. A wise man once told me, you can walk from here to China in your sin, but when you're ready to repent, all you have to do is turn around and the Lord is right there. And that's so true. That is so true. And it can happen to any of us. And walking with the Lord, and all of a sudden, man, you look around, you're like, where did the passion go? And where's my, my love, my first love for the Lord? Well, there in Revelation, Paul writes, or not Paul, but Jesus writes a letter to the church at Laodicea. They were a, a church there who was given over to the ease of life. Man, they had everything at their fingertips. 
And so they were, they were fooled. They were filled with the world, and they thought they had everything. And Jesus said to them, man, you are poor and naked and blind. He said, you guys are lukewarm. He said, you should either, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. But he didn't end it there. He, that wasn't, he gave a solution. He said, return to your first love. See, if you find yourself this morning and you say, man, I love the Lord at one point and I was on fire for the Lord and that is just going to return to your first love. What does that mean? Do the things you did at first. Pray to the Lord. Go on prayer walks. Crank up the worship music. Join the prayer group. Study the Bible. I don't know what it was, right? The, go back to that first love. That is the key. The Lord has such plans and such purpose for our lives, and we sideline ourselves when we refuse to grow in the Lord. Let us not be like the, the church at Corinth who refused to grow up. Let us be a, a body of believers who says, Lord, I want all that you have for me. I know that you're working on me, and I'm going to be diligent about my devotions and putting good into my body. And let us as a body come alongside of each other. We're going to do our part to build each other up that we might be effective for his kingdom, that we might hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into rest. Man, I want to hear that. We're not working for our salvation. That's what I'm not saying. Don't misunderstand me. But know this morning that if you have wandered from the Lord, man, wander on back. Turn to him. It's, 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 it's an easy thing to do, and he's glad with open arms this morning. So as we come to the table, as we come and take communion, Right? One of the things that we do at the table is to reflect. Right? That we're to examine our own hearts. And we're to do that this morning. We're to say, Lord, are there things in me? Are there areas where I, I, I'm not letting go, where I'm not maturing, where I'm not growing, where I'm stunted, that I need to be surrendered to you? And do that this morning with the Lord. Remember what it is that he's done for you. Remember that we're saved because of the work of the cross. Take that in and rejoice and be refreshed today. That's what communion is all about. We reflect, we remember, we, we, we rejoice because we're refreshed. And it's a good thing. And so, Lord, I just thank you so much for who you are. Lord, thank you that you love us and you have a purpose and you have a plan for us. And, Lord, as we just wrestle out this walk, as we wrestle out this life, being spiritually born again, but trapped inside this body of carnality, Lord. As that war kind of rages on, I pray that we would be a people, Lord, who you're working on. Lord, I pray that we would be a, a, a people who recognize the need to fill ourselves with the goodness that you've provided for us, that we wouldn't be full on the things of this world that can never satisfy us, but Lord, that we would be so full of you that the things of this world aren't even appetizing anymore. Lord, thank you that we can come to the table and that we can be reminded that we can have that surety. Lord, that our salvation isn't based on our good works. It's based on your work of the cross. And we believe this morning. And as we take the, the cracker, we remember that you paid the price in your body that we could not pay. As we drink the juice, Lord, we remember that we are justified by your blood and by your blood alone. As we come, Lord, again, we reflect and we confess. We ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us in those areas that we're weak. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
We hope you've enjoyed listening to this teaching of God's Word presented by Siskiyou Christian Fellowship. We pray it's blessed you and given you a greater understanding of the Bible. To learn more about us, visit siskiyouchristianfellowship.com. Thank you.